Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 79 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Andrew, and joined with me today are my co-hosts Stephen Klukas and Mike Freeman. Mike, has anyone ever told you you have some kind eyes? As you stare right at Wow. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so touching to hear. I appreciate oh, that. I'm out, guys. Sorry. <laughs> he was staring like right into my soul, and I was like, oh my gosh, his eyes are so kind. Do you want to know what I was seeing? What were you seeing, sir? <laughs> so, uh, you know, just to... Actually, we don't need to talk about... I was going to talk about my glasses, but uh, we can talk about how I interact with the females later at some other time. Because <laughs> so, I have had so many conversations lately. That is strike two, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So we're a podcast that talks about Jesus and uh, some other things. But anyway... We're here today. We are continuing uh, our conversation on, you know, our ancient ways for our modern days. And we've been in a series of the, uh, systematic theology. But before we do that, Mike, there are some cool things coming down the road for our church. One is the couples check-in. Now, last week, we kind of talked a little bit more about um, just what it is. But uh, you, got, you got anything else you want to plug about that or you share? I just would uh, remind folks that registration is now open. Uh, Andrew, you can tell, tell people where they can go to register. Yeah, actually, if you go to our church website, vcflongview.org backslash couples, you will find a place to to register. Um, one thing you'll see is I, did, I didn't play, make a place where you can pay for it, but I'm sure we can handle that offline or some other place. But please, f- Feel free to register. Yeah, um, childcare will be available and all sorts of other things. But Mike, that's coming up next month, right? Yeah, the the first weekend of the month, first first Friday and Saturday of of March, mm-hmm. fourth and fifth, it is, and and uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a wonderful time. It's a great opportunity for specifically husbands and wives that uh, that you know in the busyness of life to slow down, to recalibrate, to retool, and to to become stronger. And so I'm pretty jazzed about that. It should be a wonderful weekend. That's awesome. Now, Stephen, you have some events that are coming up too. It is true. Yeah. Uh, I think I may have let the cat out of the bag on accident with a young student. You did. Okay. My, my bad, sir. He immediately came up to talk to me. Yeah. Well, cause he came to me and was just like, I, I want to shoot people with a Nerf gun. And I'm like, you should talk to Stephen. That's, that's happening pretty soon here. But Stephen, you want to talk about what you've got going on? All right. So what's going on uh, from the youth ministry team is we are starting to launch monthly events for students. And since we have a considerably sized group, uh, we're actually breaking it up by age group. So this week, actually, we are starting with the high schoolers just doing kind of like a a board game night, doing some tabletop stuff, some card games, and just getting together to fellowship and build relationships with the teens, right? And then starting next month, starting with the middle schoolers, we're going to be bringing back Nerf Nights. Okay. Um, But the idea here is to just have something each month for people to participate in, whether that be a movie night or a field day uh, more details are, are going to be forthcoming but we're starting out with just some tabletop some fellowship and hanging out with the, the kids that's awesome and so building those building those connections that's right. i think one people don't uh people get is that we don't do these events just for the sake of having events like when we do the kids things i intentionally try to overstaff that with adults that's right because i think it's healthy for for children to have healthy relationships with other adults within the church safe trustworthy adults and that's really cool that you're starting that and it's interesting that you are doing um so this month it's high school 
High school. Next month is middle school. Correct. That is, that's going to be very manageable. I think that that's is a, a good what call. What I'm hoping for, good <laughs> yeah. sir. And, you know, another reason for these uh, events is that we get to see these kids every Wednesday at youth group, mm-hmm. but Wednesday at youth group has its own kind of chaos and flair and uh, dynamic flow to it, but it doesn't leave a lot of room to connect with kids in a smaller group or even one-on-one. It just yeah. doesn't really happen very well or very often. So this kind of gives us an opportunity to build those relationships with our own students. Okay. That's cool, man. Hey, if you're doing a game night this this Friday, what is the uh, one game you are looking forward to the most that you think might be torturous for, for the kids? Ooh, Here you're, to Slay, oh. for sure. Oh, I yeah. love that game. Isn't it okay, great? Yeah. No, but I just got, uh, thanks to our mutual friend David, I got the expansion so okay. I can accommodate more players and have even more zany antics to follow. I'm excited. It's going to be great. Are you guys doing food as well for that? Uh, that's not part of the plan right now. Okay. We're going to just kind of keep it small, keep it manageable. Okay. So for you teenagers who listen to this and probably listen to it on Thursday, this will drop the day before the actual event. That's right. Make sure you eat something, Braxton. <laughs> so, so anyway. Oh, wait, no, he's not in high school. Uh, Braxton's middle school, as far as I recall. Oh, wait, so you're doing middle school first this week? I'm doing high school first. So Braxton, you should still eat something, but you're not going to this. Wow. <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> Wow. Hey, uh, I do want to pick up on some things that have happened and some other things going on in the life of the church really yeah. quickly, and then we jump into some content. <clears throat> um, first thing, we had a, a great fellowship after our Saturday night services oh last week. Oh my gosh, for yes. sure. And I oh, um, yeah. was really excited about that. I'm really excited that, you know, we, we have three services at Valley. We have a Saturday night and then a nine o'clock on Sunday and an 11 o'clock on Sunday. And those Sunday ones are in different locations. And uh, we're kind of excited because it seems like that idea of maybe once a month an after church event just to to spend time together is, uh, is catching on with the other services as well. And so, yeah, I'd say if you're, if you're part of Valley, this is a great time to be part of Valley because there's, uh, more opportunities to connect with folks and in very low pressure environments, just really getting to know folks and sharing a meal. Yeah. And so that was, that was awesome. Yeah. That was a taco dinner potluck we did. Yeah. Saturday night. That was awesome. Yeah. When you were talking about Braxton eating something, I was thinking about Mendy, uh, his mom, shout out to her because she had a team of people and they, uh, you know, she and Dan, they just made it happen and did such a great job. And so if you guys are listening, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, you guys are awesome. I think I was so thankful for that because we had some guests. Like I had one guest that said, hey, I'm just going to come on this weekend anyway. And I was like, well, actually, since you're coming this 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 weekend, you should come to this potluck. And she got to sit down and reconnect with old friends and things like that. That is such an amazing ministry opportunity. Uh, I, so yeah, definitely Dan, Mindy, thank you for, for heading that up and putting that together and their whole team. And we can name yeah. a lot of names. The other thing I'll say is, you know, our listeners, you probably know you're our listener that we also have a, a daily uh, devotion that's coming out of the new Testament that I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just wanted to start a conversation with our listeners to see what would be helpful for you. We are toying with the idea of separating that from this podcast, from the VCF podcast, maybe making them two distinct things. And uh, if you're listening to this and you have a strong opinion one way or the other, if it'd be easier if it's all together, if it'd be easier to, and more manageable if they're separated, we're just kind of wrestling with some of that right now. And yeah. we would love a little bit of feedback. And so I'm just asking our listeners, if you've got uh, our numbers and you want to text us or email us, or if you want to write into the podcast or uh, however else uh, you can communicate with us, we're not that hard to find. Yeah. We would love a little bit of feedback. Yeah, actually that's, that's great. Cause depending on how you're listening to this podcast right now, things could be a little confusing. 
If you're listening to us on an audio medium like SoundCloud or Spotify, you see that we have our sermons that come out, the podcast that comes out, and then also the daily devotions. But if you're looking on YouTube, you're listening to it or watching it, you see it all comes out there as well too. Is that too much? Should we make separate like audio formats? Should we make separate YouTube channels? We, we would just like to know what would work best for you because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that you're connecting with with all this content. Absolutely. That's really, you know, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about how this content lands in people's lives. And our heart is, is it's about making the content, but it's really about making the content that's going to work well for you. And especially those daily podcasts that are devotional in style. My heart behind that is if we can help you as you are reading the Bible to think a little bit more deeply. And I know sometimes people aren't even able, you know, life, whatever's going on, you have difficulty opening up the Bible, but you can listen to that on the podcast or you can watch it on video. Um, We want to make it so useful for you as you pursue knowledge of the word of God and ultimately loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And so uh, again, I'm just kind of uh, rambling a little bit, but that's our heart. We want to serve you well. And if you have suggestions on how we can do that better, give us a holler that's awesome yeah thank you for sharing that mike um you know I, I, before we jump into the content i have one question for maybe the both of you maybe as a tip for uh, just our church because i was thinking about what you said about the potluck mike we have so many new families coming up and showing up at our church right now and i know there are people who are a part of our church who see these new families and they're probably thinking like man i want to be welcoming and inviting but i'm a little nervous like how do i appropriately just welcome people into the church do you maybe have a, like a, maybe a 90 second tip on how to be a little friendlier i mean just be biblical the bible says to greet each other with a holy kiss and so <laughs> if you see someone you don't know just walk right up no <laughs> do not do that <laughs> Well, guys, that's strike three. I think I have to be out now. Bye, Stephen. <laughs> hey, honestly, uh, you know, one of the, the, the fun ways to connect with someone, this is, I, I tell you what, if you're part of Valley and, and this is your church home, one of the greatest gifts you can give to the church is simply when you see people that are new, invite them out to lunch. I'll tell you what, um, people in, that are part of a church, if they just see a guest and they regularly invite visit, visitors and guests out to lunch and get to know them, they just create this, this atmosphere where they're, they're loving their neighbor. They're caring for someone who's new. And this might be someone who's new that doesn't know the Lord, that's searching. This might be someone new that's new to the area and looking for a church. They might be churched. They might be unchurched. But it, just that relational extension is, uh, it, it's, there are countless people in churches today because of that kind of mindset, because yep. of that kind of heart. And so I'd say, you know, invite them over to your house for lunch. If, if you're comfortable with that, take them out to, to get some lunch afterward at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable with that, if you, if you have the means, buy their lunch just to, you know, show some kindness and some generosity. And uh, that, that's, that's what I would suggest doing. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. Do you, Steven, do you have maybe anything to add to that at all? Man, he's like level eight. I'm like level one. For me, for me in church, when I see a visitor or somebody new, I just simply say, hey, I don't recall whether we've met or not. Hi, I'm Steven. And that's just where I start. But right? at least that's a great approach. Exactly. Right? I know some people get in their heads and they just sit there and like, I want to do something. And maybe the the simplest thing would just be to say hello. Yep. So, yeah. and, and I would maybe the last thing I'd say is, is to relax and don't be forceful. 
Yeah. You know, you, the spirit of God has to lead some of that. And so if you're talking with someone and it seems like they're kind of like uh, leaning away from you and it seems like they're not really wanting to engage in conversation, this is probably not the right time to invite them out for lunch. You know, like to say, hey, really glad you're here. Hope to see you again next week. That, yeah. That's just, just fine. But if you start to connect with someone, that's different, you know. And so you don't have to force it. You don't have to, uh, you know, cram your whole life story into that moment or, you know, make sure you give them a hug or like you don't got to do any of that stuff. Just relax, be yourself, uh, trust God's spirit to lead you well as you're kind to them. And and that's good. That's good. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, um, I appreciate all your your input there. I think we're ready to transition then into today's topic when we are looking at creation, right? Now, we've been in a series um, based on systematic theology, looking at the entirety of Scripture and what it says about a specific topic. Uh, we have talked about the, the names of God. We've been looking at, at, at God, um, just last, the Trinity, just the last couple of weeks. Now, this week, Mike, do you want to introduce what we're looking at today? Yeah, so this is kind of in the same vein of understanding who God is, and it's doing it by understanding part of God's works. And so the the wonderful works of God are amazing, and uh, there's more about who God is that we'll talk about, especially as we talk about who Christ is and who the Spirit of God is in, in separate podcasts. But today, we're going to redirect a little bit and talk about the God who is the Creator, uh, sometimes we call him the uncreated creator. And so today we're, we're going to talk about creation, but um, really we're talking about who who made it, who made everything, who okay. made this thing. That's that's our topic today. Awesome. So if you, just like normal, uh, would like to follow along in our discussion, you can actually check the this, the episode description and you will see a link to the notes that we are looking through so you can go ahead and, and follow along. So let's... Uh, Let's jump into this, guys. Do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have a few um, resources we're going to reference today, and those are going to be footnoted in the um, in, in the document that will be posted as well. But the first reference is just, it's a, a, a basically a dictionary of theology, and it's really useful to have these. And I, I wanted to use this one because this is one that I think some of our listeners might have access to. If you're part of Valley and you're on Faith Life, you have access to a program called Logos Bible Software. And there are some dictionaries in that. I think this is one of them that's that's included in just the base package that our church, if you're part of our church, you have. And this is, uh, in this, the, the article is on creation. And so we're going to start with Stephen just giving us, when we talk about the doctrine of creation, start with this this quote and and just get us kind of the foundation. What are we talking about when we talk about the doctrine of creation? Yeah, this uh, quote comes from Gerald Bray, and it says, The doctrine of creation states that there is a creator God who has made the universe for his own purposes. So even in that sentence, there is there are some clear convictions. There's some clear belief that is laid out there. and And so let's just start with that. It's talking about this doctrine of creation. It says that there is a creator God and he made the universe for his purposes. So first of all, God. Yep. Right. Um, God is the creator God. And uh, and then the universe is made. It, it's made by him. It, it, you know, it didn't come into to existence by chance or by happenstance. It, it was made. It was created. He He formed it. He fashioned it. And then the last part of this is he did it for his purposes. And so he didn't do it because he was just like, hey, I'm going to make this thing and then walk away. And, and no, he, he has his purposes behind it. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of how this first statement sets the stage for us. 
No. Okay. Um, I'd love for you guys to just chime in before we start talking about some of the, the elements on our document. When you think about creation, what are some of the conversations you have? What are some of the interactions you have with people? What are some of the thoughts you have about the doctrine of creation? Okay. Well, well, for me, uh, creation, the, the topic of creation typically comes up, especially when we talk about the origins of the universe. Uh, it usually has to do with the conflict, I guess, with evolution, Big Bang, all these things like that. So whenever we talk about the creation, it's always about, well, who has the authority to say and make the laws that we have? And for us, it's always been about God, the creator. Since he created the universe, he's the uh, the owner of everything. Kind of like, you know, kids live in their parents' houses. The kid, The parents are... Uh, the parents are the ones who made paid for everything, so they, they kind of have the dominion of that. So I guess for me, it's always in conversation with the origins of the universe and why we submit to this all-powerful being and uh, why evolution is a lie. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little plug there. Yeah. Well, I would actually springboard why not just evolution, but like uh, when good old Mr. Hawking passed not too long ago, he came up with another theory of the bubble multiverse in which there are not just one universe, but numerous universes, but they all are connected because they all share similar laws in order to function. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm thinking through these things, reading about these things or talking about these things, it's a lot of the question, why? Why does everything exist? Why do things exist the way they exist? How do physics work the way they work? And every single time they point back to a source. Mm -hmm. There must be some, whether it is a being or just a simple law of physics, which of course needs to have a source, but something has to govern it. Something has to have set it in motion. Something has to govern the mutual laws that everything shares and even physicists struggle with this like like hardcore atheists who believe that there is no god really struggle with this to the point now where they don't even believe that the big bang was the origin of the universe anymore yeah. they know that there has to have been something before the big bang in order for the big bang to happen so everybody knows that there is a creator whether they're willing to acknowledge it or not yeah yeah these are interesting elements. And, and so when we go back to this idea of, you know, God's the creator, where do we, where do we get this? Where, where does this idea come from? Creation? Or where does the idea of creation come of, from? God being the creator. Well, actually, uh, this is a softball, by the way. Don't, don't overthink this. Bible? Okay. <laughs> I was like, the Bible tells us that, right? There's so. actually a, a quote. I forget exactly who said it, but it says, I, there is ingrained in the entity of man the idea of God or something like that. I think it's like a, a Plato or some, one of those old, old guys, but it's just that it's part of our fabric of being. Mm -hmm. And I was really going for Genesis 1-1, right? Like, well, there is that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And that, that idea of, of God created, even the verbal form of that, it's like God is the creator is the sense there. He is the creating one. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth is the idea behind that. And so when we are talking about creation and the doctrine of creation, we're talking less about creation and more about the creator, more about God. And I, I guess kind of what I was trying to do is, is just kind of set the stage and say, okay, this is actually more about God than anything else, mm -hmm. as all of our theology should be. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that said, then we start to get into, okay, well, what is the logical belief of this? Or why, you know, you've got this, you know, 
quote that you were trying to remember a minute ago and and all of this argument about evolution and creation and where we pan out and where we land on this and these different ideas. Um, but one of the things that's helpful is um, one author, a pastor, R.C. Sprawl, he's passed away a few years ago. Um, he was very prolific. He wrote a ton. In, uh, in his book, The Essentials of Christian Faith, he talks about the transcendent creator and he gives a logical walkthrough of how we, with our feeble minds, might be able to grasp the idea that there, the necessity of a transcendent creator. Okay. The necessity that we, we didn't just, we're not this random chemical reactions that occurred all these years ago. Go ahead. Okay. So, so what you're saying is R.C. Sproul wrote out uh, just a logical flow of like why we know there has to be something that transcends what we know. Yeah. Just, just, okay. I'm trying yeah. to understand what you said there. Okay. And transcendent is like the idea of beyond, beyond yeah. or other, right? Mm-hmm. And so something different than us, something that's not us, mm-hmm. something that's not material, something that's supreme is a word we're going to use here in a minute. Right. And so what I want to do is for, for our time together, I want to walk through the idea of a transcendent creator, not just because with Genesis 1-1 in the beginning, God was the creator, God created the heavens and the earth, but also the logical flow that gives some, I guess, some intellectual um, weight to this this idea. Like we don't have a faith that's without reason. We have a very reasonable faith. Mm-hmm. And then I want us to go back to our conversation about the triune God. And I want us to just kind of marvel at how God the Father is at work in creation, how God the Son is at work in creation, and how God the Spirit is at work in creation. And then from there, we'll uh, we'll close it down and then we'll come back next week and we'll talk about some more stuff. Okay. So that's kind of the right. plan. So R.C. Sprawl, his argument, it begins with this. So he basically has all these uh, these statements or the, the, a premise one after another that he uses to build this, this, this mindset. And so in a sense, we're kind of going on a journey, right? And so the journey begins, his first statement is that Everything in time and space has a beginning. Now, the qualifier there, time and space. Mm-hmm. So even there, there's a hint that we're going to end up talking about something that's not in time and space. But in our created order, guess what? Everything is in time and space. Right. Right. We're listening to this. You're listening to this podcast and it, time is ticking. Mm-hmm. You can't just press pause on the podcast and then time you know, globally stops. It's We live in time and we live in space, which is like the realm we live in, right? And then number two, then, is it says, something cannot come from nothing. Nothing cannot do anything. All right. So the, the way these are phrased, it takes you a second. Mm-hmm. So something cannot come from nothing, right? I have nothing in my hand right now. Well, I actually do have something in my hand. I have air in my mm-hmm. hand. Uh, there's, there are molecules that are invisible, but they're legitimately in my hand right, right now. But all of this, everything we have, it it's got to come from something, right? Right. So the idea is like, if you imagine like a void where there's literally, there's nothing, no air, nothing like space, literally, well, not even space. Not even like, space. Like there's nothing. There, there can't be a chain reaction of something because there's nothing there to, like there's just nothing. Nothing yeah. can't yeah. react. And so nothing, nothing or so nothing. something can't come from nothing. It has to have an origin. Yeah. And this again, this is okay. So we're talking about time and space. This is setting us up to see that there is a, <clears throat> there's something outside of us that is pre-existent is where we're going to land. Statement number three, it says, if ever there was nothing, then nothing could exist now. What is this saying? Now, this one's a fun one, if oh. I may. Yeah, go for yeah, it. It's, it's saying if there ever was the existence of absolutely nothing, if, if there was n- ever nothing, well, clearly nothing can't, can, nothing can do nothing. It can't do anything. So nothing would ever exist if nothing ever existed. Logical flow then, right? Oh. Yeah. So the logical flow is if, if the, 
nothing is all this existed and nothing does exist, right? Exactly. Like, you know, uh, we're getting very fatalistic right now and nihilistic. Like I'm pretty sure I just life put is somebody's brain in a pretzel somewhere. They're yeah. just like, wait, what? But if we stop there, this can be really sad. Yes. Or you know, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But let's keep going, right? Okay. I so you sorry. Just interject. Yeah. You wrote the, the, the phrase is if if ever there was nothing, then nothing could exist. Now, when you said that, I had interpreted that as if there was ever a point that there was nothing, and for some reason something happened. Right. We could go back to a statement of like or a state where then oh. nothing exists. Right. That's a possibility, which is really sad. Like, do you remember, like, in third grade when you learned that there's going to someday be, like, the end of the sun? Like, every star goes through, like, entropy. Love I remember entropy. in third grade going through the solar system thing and realizing, oh, someday our sun's going to just not exist anymore. And then I got really sad. <laughs> like, that's kind of where I landed just now with that statement. So, right. okay. But the point here then is actually it's different. Yeah. The point we're making is nothing could exist right now. Like, right. it wouldn't. Right. Because if nothing ever could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if there was never anything to do anything, there wouldn't be anything. Right. Yeah. So let's um, let's turn that frown upside down. That's okay. Right. Point number four. Here's what point number four says: Something exists now. Yay! Yeah. yeah. Something exists now. Therefore, something must exist that has no beginning. This this preexistent, this uncreated creator is what it's getting to. Right. Mm-hmm. Point number five. Things cannot create themselves because they would have to be before they are. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So I, I can't create myself. Nope. Uh, I could not do that. Um, my kids exist because of my wife and I's marriage, right? Something that preceded them. Mm-hmm. Just like I exist because of, you know, you know sub, or previous generations, one after another. But we keep backing up until we get to that first generation. Okay, well, how did they get here? Well, something had to exist before that. Right. Right. There, there is something that is, exists before they were. Point number six, it says, if some part of the universe is uncreated, then it is superior or transcendent to the parts that have a beginning. Mm-hmm. I told you guys beforehand, this is the hinge. Yep. Why is this the hinge? Well, this separates everything that has a beginning from anything that does not. Yeah, or rephrased, this separates everything that is created from the uncreated one. Right. Exactly. Right. So this is where we say, okay, there, there is, there is, logically speaking, there must be something outside of the created order. Mm-hmm. That's the point this is making, is and it's using a logical progression to get us there. And then point number seven, it says, an uncreated being is supreme, a higher order of being than created beings, regardless of where it lives. And so this is maybe where we can interpret a little bit of what he might be meaning here. But regardless of where he lives, I take that to mean this one true God who lives outside of time and space. Right. Because time and space are created things. Mm-hmm. He made them. Yep. So he's outside of time, just like he's outside of space. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like the illustration of the times like if you yourself are like a baker or if you make a pizza, you are transcendent above the pizza because you had to put that together you exist outside of that creation process but for what we're talking about we're talking about someone who created outside of time and space exactly. so he is above he is above the very fabric of our being that we can't comprehend because we exist within 
that deep dish pizza. Exactly. <laughs> so. Doesn't matter how magnificent that pizza is. Yeah. There is a creator beyond it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And and I just want to make sure we're, we're still tracking. When we're talking about space, we're not talking about the final frontier. Mm-hmm. We're talking about spatiality. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the, the space in this room right now. And the physicality. Yeah. Of we're that. talking about yeah. the fact this table fits in this space right mm-hmm. now. Although I don't know if you can get out of the door very easily, but that's because you built it in here, right? I did build it yeah. in here. I have gotten out of it. We're off topic. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so. <laughs> okay. All these six points lead to the seventh point, or, the, or all these seven points lead to the eighth point. It says transcendence refers to the level of being, not geography or spatiality, not physicality, mm-hmm. right? And so God is transcendent as he is of a greater order. He is supreme or above or beyond or other mm-hmm. than we are. Right. God is not us. We are not him. Mm-hmm. He is a different all sort like categorically he is other exactly um now there's there's been an illustration that was shared with me one time that people make a mistake of thinking that god is just simply the supreme being on like a cosmic ladder if you were to imagine it that way where like here at the bottom we have like germs right and then we have like ants and insects on the rung above that and then we have dogs cats and animals then we have humans and then above that we have oh look we're getting into the spiritual realm so we have things like angels and demons and wow and then somewhere up there at the top is god but that would be a fundamental misunderstanding of transcendence is that god made the ladder god is not even close he if if these were a venn diagram you would have everything that could possibly exist here on one piece of paper and then on the other side of the room on a different piece of paper in his own spot there's god he's over there well said that's exactly yeah. what we're talking about the uncreated creator everything exactly. is created Except for him. Yeah. He's the creator, creator, right? And what you just said is actually what distinguishes the one true God from like the pantheon of other gods that other religions appoint to. Right. You think of like Osiris or you think of like Jupiter and all these things. Like they're always tied to some form of creation and that they are a God of this or a God of that. And they're tied to this physicality when we're saying that this, this, the one true God is immense. Like he is beyond any of that. He is not tied to that. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually goes back to the the term holy, holy, holy. This is fundamentally other. Yeah. One thing I love about all this is that like the world, so many people want to argue against this at at times because they just, they're just, they're just rebellious. I remember being in conversations with people who were like, well, how can something exist outside of time? That's impossible. That's impossible. That's impossible. And then you were talking like, well, if they created time, that means it has to be something beyond that. I, I know you can't comprehend that physical being, but you can understand that concept. And people are like, no, 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 no. And then do you remember that movie? What's that Matthew McConaughey movie that 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 has him with him and Christopher Nolan made? I don't know if you ever watched it. Are that. you talking about like the spacey one? Yeah. Interstellar? Interstellar, yeah. yeah. That whole movie is based on the idea that there was like that that time in this stuff is a, it's a construct that something can exist outside of that. Right. And then once that movie came out, everyone was like, Oh, that's fine. And Christians were like, Yeah, we've been saying that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I digress. You know, this reminds me of, of Romans chapter one, verse 20, speaking about God, it said, well, verse 19, even it says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He's shown, shown us what? Well, it says for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. The, the scripture says not only Romans or not only Genesis 1, 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but we have this passage in Romans that says in creation order, creation order itself is a testimony to the uncreated creator. Mm-hmm. We look around at this world that is created and God has made it evident, self-evident 
that he exists and that he's the creator. We are without excuse, but we want to have excuses. Uh, yeah. We want to ignore that there is a creator that has made all of this. Well, yeah, the flesh here is like, if there is a transcendent being beyond anything that we know, then that, mean, that also means we're accountable to him. That's right. That's what that means. It's just, that's the same idea of like when a child is rebellious inside the home and that home is owned by their parents, but they're like, well, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to obey those. I don't want to do the chores. I don't want to do these things. Well, you know what? Someone who does pay the bills and who does all things, you have to answer to them. And that's why kids are like, I'm going to run away from home. Well, this is actually even more so than that because eventually that child might grow up. But this is more like if if my son, my two-year-old wants to jump off of the table and just simply say, well, I don't want gravity to catch me as I fall. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah. It's, yep. it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You back up in that passage to verse 18, it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. See, your point, Andrew, is exactly what verse 18 says. Suppress the truth. Mankind, they, they want to be unrighteous. They want to be rebellious. They don't want to be accountable to God in his created order and his moral order. Mm-hmm. God is the one in his very nature. He is good. And so good is measured by his character. It's defined by him. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we yeah. talked about him being good. And we don't want that. And so the only recourse we have is to say, well, I don't want to live according to God's moral standard. And so I don't believe there's God. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing when we say we don't believe there's a God. We're really saying, I want my own moral order, and I don't want to be accountable. The, the sad part is everyone's accountable. Yep. There, there will come a day. You can live your whole life without any accountability before God, but there will be an ultimate accountability when you stand before your creator and you give an account for the life you've lived. Yep. And uh, this is where we get to talk about Christ because all of us will stand condemned on that day regardless of whether you've killed hundreds of people or you've been a a moral person who, you know, try to give to charity and all that, all of us will be condemned because of our sin, unless we've trusted in Jesus and his death and resurrection. This is that God so loved the world, the world that he created. He loved us that he sent Jesus so that even though we've rebelled against him, we can have salvation in Christ because of his death that paid the price for our sins, Mm -hmm. his resurrection that gives us new life. This is, it all connects, right? Yep. And uh, I'll give our listeners a preview because in a few weeks, I think we're going to do a one-off podcast about the the idea of syncretism. Mm -hmm. Andrew's doing some study on that. He's in a missions class right now. In fact, he just aced his first paper that he's written in like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first thing I've written in 10 years. And, um, but he's, you know, you and I were talking about syncretism and and how we want to, as Christians, we want to take the ideas of the world Mm -hmm. and we want to, we want to embrace those ideas Mm -hmm. to make ourselves appealing to the world. But let's go back to the order, the, the, the truth of creation. Mm -hmm. God is other, Mm -hmm. right? So even in that, what are we pointing to? Not toward a, Hey, we want to be like the world. We're pointing to a God who is different, right? You know, Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's the, the transcendent creator. That's that logical flow, and then a few extra things we threw in there. Um, other other thoughts with the transcendent creator before we talk a, a bit about how the triune God is at work in creation. Right. I, I when I think about the creator and everything we just went through, and I think about how immense this God is, it makes me just appreciate so much more that He loves me and He cares for me. You know, I, just to tie it back to. Um, to, to just your sermon, even this last weekend, Mike, I think about the situations I face, and there are so many times where I'm like, well, 
I have found myself doing this. Like, well, it's the enemy that's doing this and this. But at the same time, the enemy is allowed to do the things that he does because of God. But because we want to keep, I don't know, our focus on him, to him be all the glory. So what, what, what I mean by that is like there are times when like I think about the creator, this all-powerful being who is for me, not against me because of the grace of, of his grace and because of what Christ is on the cross. It brings me assurance that there is a plan, that he is working, that there are, that he is near, and that he is he can and will overcome just the darkness of this world. So even when my life doesn't currently reflect something that's ideal, this God that I worship is mightier than any of the terrible things that I could be facing right now. So when we talk about how big he is, I am just assured by that. I'm also terrified by that <laughs> at the same time. But I'm, like, assured by that. I want to take our podcast on a different path right now okay. because of what you said. And I think what we'll do next week is we'll come back to the idea of the triune God okay. in, in creation. But you connected this to last week's message. And we're walking through the life of Joseph, mm-hmm. even though once during the Sunday service I called him Joshua. You did. You I did. laughed pretty hard. I was like, uh, what? Yep. After you say all those J- J- Joseph, Jude, all that, it's like, oh, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh <laughs> But we've been talking, last week in particular, we were looking at God's sovereign hand over Joseph's life. Mm-hmm. And not just over his life, but over the, the life of Judah yeah. and over the life of Israel and over the, the entire nation and over the entire world. And, it, you know, if I had another 20 minutes that week, uh, which I did not have. <laughs> you were already at 57 minutes for that message. But yeah, anyway. We'll just do one song in worship next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of First Peter in chapter 1. I'm going to read um, starting in verse 3. And I'll, I'll make the connection after a minute. But it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. I just say right now, um, Jacob, he said that the, the brothers needed mercy when they went back to Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. We have them even greater mercy in Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you by God's power, who who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. That is a lofty passage, right? Like this is the inheritance you have. You have mercy. It's being guarded by Christ for you. You have been born again to a living hope that that's all really, I mean, that's the, our frown is not, our frown's upside down. It's Mm -hmm. a big smile, but, but keep going. Verse six, in this, you rejoice in all of these truths, though now for a little while, If necessary, look at all of those qualifiers, Mm -hmm. though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Think about the trials we face. Persecution, temptation, physical ailment, relational strife, or whatever these trials are. And then it goes on, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All of these trials, they are being work, they, they are being brought into your life so that the genu- the tested, your faith will be tested and proved to be genuine. 
You think about Joseph's life in his trials, sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused, thrown in prison, forgotten in prison. His faith was tested at a level far greater than my faith has ever been tested. And it ended up being proved to be genuine. Now, we talk about this God that's creator, this God that's sovereign. We have to recognize that, that he is in control of this world. And when we face these trials, yeah. sometimes they are, orda- I mean, I wouldn't even say sometimes, they are ordained by God for the, the, the opportunity that our faith will be proved as genuine. Mm-hmm. Our faith in what? That God is other that God is creator, and ultimately that this God who is other and creator sent his son Jesus, born in the flesh, born of a woman, lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death, buried and resurrected so that by faith we can be saved. What is the value of a genuine faith? Like, I, I think that's the question that I think our listeners w- would ask. Because right now, I imagine them hearing what you just said would be like, oh, but I'm going through all these hard things. I know God's a creator. I know he's transcendent and all these things like that. But what's the value of a genuine faith? And to that, I have, I know what I would say. But what, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, some people struggle and they're like, but why? This, 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 what I'm going through sucked. Like, it's yeah. terrible. And I don't want that. I just want my comfort. I want my, my dream. I want all these things. I don't have to answer it. The text does. Look at the okay. next verse. The next verse, verse eight says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the outcome of your faith. Hear, hear those words, the outcome yeah. of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is, this is the value of it. The value of it is a salvation of your souls. The value of it is rejoicing right now. The value of it is experiencing glory, the glory of God that is weightier and heavier and more valuable than anything else right now, even in the difficulties you face. So that frames life in a very beautiful way. Because that also means like if you are someone who like, like I, I, I praise God for the struggles in my own life because at some point in time, it's easy to fall in the church and follow religion and think you're close, but it's through the trials that God has allowed and even ordained in my life that he has brought to me like, no, 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 Andrew, you have been worshiping a God of your own making that uses the Bible, but that's not really who I am. Let me show you this true transcendent God of who I am. And then that, which is grown my joy in my faith in my faith and that's what happens to a lot of people right I, I think it's easy in the american church to get comfortable with what we think the religion should be when god is saying that's not me at all you think that's me but let me prove to you why who i really am and give you a genuine faith outside of yeah. what you think it should be amen this is not where I was planning on going today, but this is, uh, I think it all connects. I mean, we talk about big God theology and big God theology lands in everyday ordinary life. Yeah. I mean, as we recognize who God is, that makes an absolute difference in everything about our lives today as we remember the truths that, of the scripture that are, they're like a lifeline mm-hmm. when we're going through difficulties and, and we face challenges. Okay. Well, then with that said, I think this is probably a good place to land then and just let people kind of mull over on, on what was said. Cause I, I mean, a lot was said just now. So, uh, with, with that, Stephen, would you, would you close us in prayer and just pray to. for our listeners? Yeah. Lord God, once again, we come before you and we thank you that you have shown yourself to us through your word, through your creation, God. 
and by your spirit, you continue to move us, mold us, and break us, and make us more like Christ. Lord, we do ask that you would be just on our minds, on our hearts, as we go throughout today and through this week, continue to grow us, and continue to give us that assurance, knowing that you are, and that you made all of these things for your purposes. Bless these listeners, and be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Ancient Ways for Modern Days, a ministry of Valley Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to check out more resources or even connect with us, go to vcflongview.org.